Thank you. I'm living, I'm living proof that you can be old and still be useful. <laughs> that you can be old and still be loved. So that's a wonderful thing. Well, that's, that's, I, I feel old. I'm getting old. I need more vitamins. Anyway, uh, that intro was a little too hard to live up to. So in order to ease into the message, we're going to watch a video together. So I'm really glad that the lights are out. And uh, let's start that DVD and I'll pick up the teaching as soon as the DVD ends. Right? Guys, they first started to see it. Guys coming back from Vietnam, it was diagnosed as a condition. Guys coming back from the Gulf War. It's interesting, but it's showing up now as a diagnosis for people who didn't go to war, who, who can't point to a particular event, but they're exhibiting the signs of post-traumatic stress disorder. Everyday people living the same kind of lives that we lead. And we're wondering, maybe psychiatry's just gone nuts and they like to throw terms around loosely. So this is their latest term to throw around loosely. That's possible. But I got to thinking about this. Fifty years ago, there were no cell phones. We had a little black rotary telephone. You spun the dial with your finger. You had to actually think about the call you were going to make. Seven digits. And uh, we had one black and white television set. There were no fax machines. There was no Internet. There was no speedy communication. You communicated by mail. And before that, before the technology of, let's say, the telephone, you had people communicating by post. So if you had an important decision to make, you needed information, you needed to make an agreement, maybe you were going to buy something, uh, maybe you were selling something, maybe you were starting a business, you would send a letter by post and it would take a week or 10 or 12 days to get there. Then your correspondent would write back and it would be another two weeks before it got back. So the speed of communication, best case scenario, before the last 50 years was a runner in ancient Rome who would take days to traverse distance or a horse carrying mail like in the West. And that would take weeks. If you were talking to someone overseas, if you were calling back a relative in England, well, you'd, you wouldn't expect an answer for several months. Do you understand what I'm saying? And because there were no telephones, the people that you talked to were the people in your own family. Maybe you talked to a neighbor, but it was a rural sort of a situation. Your neighbor would be half a mile away. So you weren't busy talking to all these people all the time. What I want to say is this. The last 50 years of human history in the West is an aberration. It is abnormal. For thousands of years before the last 50 years, the speed with which people had to process information and make important decisions 
with spans of months or weeks. Do you understand what I'm saying? So you would have a problem and you would ponder it and think about it and you would make a decision. And if that involved any form of significant distant communication, that decision could take a month or two or three months. And that was normal human life. Are you with me? And people went to bed when the sun went down. Hello? And they averaged 10 hours of sleep per night. That's human history. That's the last 7,000 years of human history. In the last 50 years, all of that has changed. Today, the number of decisions you have to process in a day is more than a person's year of decision-making a hundred years ago. In a day. You are being bombarded with information that you have to process quickly, make a decision about, go on to the next decision. In fact, you today, with the number of important decisions you have to make in a day, you are living in a state of war for someone a hundred years ago. You're living like a soldier in the army a hundred years ago who has to make critical decisions every hour or so to stay alive and to function. You are living and you take naturally and don't even think about the fact that physiologically, psychologically, you're living in a war zone. Do you understand what I'm saying? Prozac and the Prozac derivative drugs are the number one prescribed medication in North America. ADD, everybody today has ADD. Either the psychologists have gone nuts or something's crazy about the world we're living in. I'm old, I'm crotchety, I'm a curmudgeon old man, and it's now my time in life to say the world is crazy. So you can just dismiss whatever I say, but let me tell you something, folks. The world is crazy. This is not the way God designed humanity to live. Our nervous systems don't cope with this kind of stress very well. Do you understand? If you don't agree with me, throw away everything else I've got to say. But when you look at the life of Jesus and the early apostles and the way they lived their lives, they were in danger of being killed a lot of the time, but they didn't live with the stress we live with. Everywhere Jesus went, he walked. He lived what we could honestly call a contemplative lifestyle. Being there's lots of time to think about things, process information and ponder. They were a pondering culture. We don't ponder. We don't have the time to ponder. We move on to the next critical decision and hope we get it right and spend sleepless nights worrying because we didn't. Hello? Is this striking anybody as the truth? All right, look. We must, must, must have an antidote to this. Or we're not going to function well as parents, husbands and wives, neighbors and friends, and, and we're not going to function well as Christians. We've got to find a way. There is an antidote. There is a secret weapon to the world that we live in. And we don't have to buy into it like that. There is a way to navigate these waters. And this is the last two Sundays in our Friendship with God series, and we're coming right back to where we started. How do you have an intimate relationship with God? How do you have a genuine friendship with God? And we're just going to look at how you come into 
friendship with God in a very practical, real way. How do you spend your time with him? And today's message is about stillness, quietness and prayer. And we begin with Psalm 46, 10, which says this. Be still. It's the Greek word rapha. It means to sleep, to slacken or to cease or to let go. Isn't that interesting? We translate the word still. There's there's many uh, Hebrew words that we translate into the word still. And we're going to pick them apart a little bit this morning. But this verse, be still and know that I am God, is absolutely central to friendship with God. You'll note that the psalm starts with a command. Isn't that interesting? Why didn't you say... Why didn't the psalmist say something like this? Um, You might want to try being still in coming to know God. Or you might say, you know, I've tried being still in coming to know God and it's kind of worked for me. You might consider it. I have a suggestion. Try being still. It's not what he said. It's an imperative. It is a command. Be still. Now, why would he say be still? Why does he have to say that? To us. I gotta go, I gotta go, I gotta go, I gotta go. Look, guys, I don't know about you, but I remember being young in the backseat of that 1954 Buick on a trip across country with my mum and dad in the front and my brother and hated sister in the backseat. I'll tell you, I can't, it was a long trip. I can't tell you how many times I heard the phrase, sit Still, be still. And it's all always followed by be still or dot, dot, dot. And each one of our parents filled in the dot, dot, dots differently. But we got the message. Why do we have to be told to be still? Guys, why do we have to be told to be still? It does not come naturally. It absolutely is contrary to 98% of us. Our nature. There are small percentage of people that do it well. I applaud you. I wish I were you. I'm not. Being still is one of the hardest things I'm faced with in a day. Why else? Like, how about let's take it a step further. It's against our nature. It's contrary to to the way we seem to be. But when it comes to being still with God, it's particularly difficult. A lot of Christians just have a You know, a lot of Christians, you say, I need you to help me move somebody this weekend. I'm there. I need you to help me uh, go down to El Hongo and hand out blankets. I'm there. I need you to do something. As soon as you ask most Christians to do something, they're in their element and they're comfortable. But you say, "Uh, I'd really like you to help me serve the Lord today. I want you to sit still and do nothing. They're just totally creeped out. Why are they totally creeped out? Why, when it comes to a life with God, is sitting still with him such a monstrous difficulty? Anybody? Open book exam. Anybody? Just be honest with me. Why is it so doggone hard for us? I'm looking for a particular answer. I'm looking for a particular answer. I'm, I'm hunting for a particular answer. Why is it so hard to do nothing? In God's presence. Who said that? Bonita. You can give your offering back. 
Now you have now I have your attention. All right. Listen, here's the deal. She's I can't remember, but it was the right answer. She said, she said, it is so hard to be still with God because we are performance oriented. And that's a fancy word, which means this. We're little legalists. Inside each one of us is a Pharisee screaming to get out and take control. We, we want our, we want, we want to prove our worth to God so we can feel good about the love He wants to give us. And until we've proven our worth to Him, we don't think we deserve to be with Him. Little Pharisees, judging ourselves and everybody else according to our behavior. So sitting still and doing nothing is worthless. You feel worthless because you're not producing anything. For God's sakes, guys, you go to a party, I don't care whether it's Christians or non-Christians. You go to a party where you don't know anybody. First question you ask somebody is, what's your name? What's the second question you ask them? What do you do? Now, I don't know about you, but I'm just going to be honest, okay? If I say to a guy, hey, or a lady, hey, what do you do? And, and he or she says, I'm a neural surgeon. <laughs> I am not worried. You operate inside the human brain. <gasps> but if I say, what do you do? And the guy looks at me and he says, um, uh, I've, been, uh, I've been unemployed for the last four years. Got to go. <laughs> Got to go talk to the neurosurgeon, all right? Oh, yeah. Spend some time with some beautiful people, all right. You understand what I'm saying? You, you, you don't think you do it, but you do it. You know how I know you do it? Because I do it. We judge people and assign worth by what they produce and what they do. So we take that assumption into our faith with God and we do the same thing with Him. I don't deserve to be with you unless I produce some goods to hand to you, some good deeds, some conversions, some whatevers. And so sitting alone in stillness with him is just horrible. I, I was teaching somebody to pray, trying to pass on these principles, and, they, and I described what they should do, and they said, well, that's just wasting time. That's just wasting time. And I thought, I wonder if he said that to his wife. I wonder if she said, honey, I'd like to I'd like to sit in the backyard with you. I've, I've got about a half an hour, an hour to kill today between events. I I'd just like to sit with you. What do you want to talk about? Well, I, honey, I, I don't want to I don't want to talk about anything. Well, what are you going to do? Well, I just wanted to be with you for a little while. Well, that's just wasting time. Honey. How would she feel? How would you feel if someone did that to you? Look, unless you've got an agenda, unless you're going to work in things, they've got a plan to work and work to plan, work to plan, to plan to work. Unless we're going to do that, I don't want to be with you. Because that's, you're a waste of time. Guys, just, just get this. What do you think heaven's going to be? Monster waste of time. You're going to sit there fidgeting. You're going to sit there going like this with God for the first thousand years. And he's just sitting there looking at you, smiling, saying, let's cuddle. You got to detox. Some of us are going to detox for the first thousand years, and it's not going to be a comfortable experience, folks. And you're going to have like Moses and Elijah going, "Oh Lord, 
these people, Lord, were these people from the 21st century? <laughs> I thought so. <laughs> Be still and know that I am God. It's a command because we need it to be a command because it has to break through our religious preconceptions about what a relationship with God looks like. So let's take the word still because this is fascinating. I got so excited when I did this word study. It changed my world. I really mean that. It changed my life. We're going to take the Hebrew word still in three different translations of uh, what the Hebrew word, the root actually is, and what it turned into in English. In every case, it turned into the same word in English. It turned into still or stillness. But the roots in Hebrew are completely different. And they say three radically different things about what stillness is. And as we look at this, it's going to unfold into a way to approach God and come to know him. And that's why it's so exciting. It is cool. It's very cool. All right. Being still in Hebrew involves progressive degrees of stillness. Progressive degrees of stillness. The first Hebrew word uh, that we're going to look at for the word stillness in English involves this simple concept, physical inactivity. It is exactly the same word that you would use if you were saying to your kids on that cross-country trip, stop fidgeting and sit still. It doesn't take a rocket scientist. It's really simple. Sit still. Stop moving. Now, why? Why would that matter? Why would God start by saying, if you want to come and get to know me and we're going to have a relationship, I'd like you to sit still. Why would he start there? What's so wonderful about sitting still? Anybody? Keep going. I'm sorry? Who said that? God, sometimes there's such brilliance in the room. She said mind-body connection. And this is really important. You see, we are connected. The parts of our person are connected. The body, uh, the spirit, the emotions, and the mind. They interact with one another. And what God is saying is this, if you will bring your body into physical stillness, the fact that you have done that will begin to affect both your mind and your emotions and ultimately your spirit. Let me put it to you like this, because my notes are good on this. Yeah, they are. Physical stillness facilitates and accompanies a greater or more inner stillness. We start with physical stillness because it is the easiest form of stillness to begin with. We're going to go deeper in what stillness is and end up in a wonderful place with God. But it has to start somewhere, folks. And for all of us, you know what? For all of us, it's a lot easier to still your body than to still your mind. Ever tried that? The big trip, the hard one, is stilling your mind. But if you begin with stilling your body, that's a form of self-discipline that will begin affecting both your mind and your emotions. And that's where this is going. 
So we start with physical stillness. But the next form of stillness in Hebrew that's translated as still is this. It's quietness. After physical stillness comes stillness of speech. The word for still in Psalm 37, which says this, and I love it. Psalm 37, verse 7, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Now, this is still a command, just like the sit still command. This is the be quiet, stop talking. It comes from the Hebrew root to be dumb. But it doesn't just mean physical silence, although it starts with physical silence. It starts with just being quiet, not making sound. But it means to quiet yourself, to be silent, to tarry. And it's also uh, interpreted to wait. It's not just not talking that this word refers to. It is mental quietness as well. It involves letting go of our worries and agendas and our plans. Now, have you noticed this? When you come to be alone with God and you still yourself physically very quickly, all of a sudden, your daily schedule opens before your very eyes. You notice that? You may not have a day timer, but in that moment when you're trying to be alone with God, you have a day timer and it starts going like this. And you see all the things you have to do that day. And you think of all the phone calls that you haven't made and you think of all the problems you're going to face. And pretty soon you're not alone with God. You're alone with your problems. Have you noticed that? Guys, I really believe that when we come to be still with God and to just be alone with him and enjoy him, when all of these thoughts start popping up inside of us of the busyness of the day, we have an executive assistant at that moment who is helping us to look at our daytimer, and it is the devil. His agenda at that point is to bring up for you every single thing you have to do. And you know what? He never brings up the bad things like we need to think about lusting this afternoon when we get to the office. He brings up all the good things. You need to call so-and-so to help so-and-so. You need to do this. You need to do this. Do you see where the focus is going? You need to take this time that was going to belong to God and you need to start thinking about all the stuff you have to do for him. So you run through all these scenarios and before you know it, you're so full of anxiety about the day that's coming. You can't be alone with God to enjoy him. You're just using your imagination to live your busyness, which is going to come when you leave your prayer time. So this kind of stillness, which which uh, God is talking about in this psalm. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. It starts with being quiet, but it isn't just stopping speech. It's dealing with the distractions and it's dealing with all of the roles. Listen to me. All of the roles and expectations in your life. Here's a really cool little exercise for dealing with them that someone taught me a long time ago. And I personally find it quite effective. He said, imagine yourself and you can you can do this right. Let's fact, let's do this. This will be fun. Close your eyes. All right. I want you to imagine. That you are in a huge, empty room like a massive warehouse. And there is a 60 watt light bulb in the center of the room hanging from the ceiling. 
And it illuminates a small circle, about a 20 foot circle of light on the floor. Everything else is completely dark and still. And you are in the center of that circle of light. But what's interesting is you're not alone in that circle of light. There are a whole bunch of other yous with you. But each one of the other yous that is with you is one of the roles or expectations in your life. And you look and you see there's you. There's you, the mother. And you look to your right. There's you, the wife. Oh, there's you, the friend. There's you in charge of that Christian program. There's you reaching out to the neighbor. All of the roles and expectations. There's you, the boss. There's you, the employee. There's you, the father. There's you, the son. There's you, the husband. There's you, the friend of so-and-so. Each one of these yous in that circle represents an expectation or a role in your life. And they all want attention. There you all are in that circle of light. But here's what you can do and you're going to do it. Go to each one of them, one at a time, and say, you have to go now. Just step out of the circle of light. And quietly, without frustration, that part of you just steps back out of the circle of light And one at a time, just one at a time, you usher them out and say goodbye for now. Just do it. Let them go. Have them leave. Till the only one left is you. But there's one other person in the circle you hadn't noticed. Jesus is in the circle with you. Just the two of you. He's there. He's there right beside you. How do you feel? How do you feel right now? With him. Open your eyes. The third Hebrew word for stillness represents the goal of where we're going in this intimacy with God. It represents the goal which God desires for us in this kind of relational prayer. Close your eyes. Let me read this to you slowly. This is Psalm 131. My heart is not proud, O Lord. My eyes are not haughty. 
I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me. But I have stilled, I have adjusted, I have yielded my heart. And I've quieted my heart, my soul, like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. My heart isn't proud, Lord, and my eyes aren't haughty, and I'm not concerning myself with great things or matters too wonderful for me. But I have stilled my heart within me. I've yielded and I've let go. I've quieted my spirit. I'm coming to wait and to rest. I'm like a child that no longer clambers for food at its mother's breast. I'm like a child that's just resting. That's the way my heart is within me, with you. Psalm 46.10 Be still. Know that I am God. It translates this way. Slacken. Take the pressure off. Cease struggling and let go. And what we're letting go of are all the expectations, all the roles, all the things we have to do. All of our worries and all of our anxieties. So we can simply rest in his arms and be with him. That Hebrew word, be still and know that I'm God. It comes from the word to take the pressure off. If you had tied your donkey or your camel up to a post and the animal were pulling on that rope as hard as it possibly could, you could let the rope go, take the pressure off and just let it drop from your hands and that would be to be still you have stilled it you have let go you've ceased the pressure you've ceased the struggling that's what God is driving at when he wants us to come and be with him just let it go now's not the time now's not the time for these worries just be with me Stillness of heart is letting go of all of your pride, your roles, your jobs, your expectations, and even your self-worth. And it's being a child again against his chest. It's tied to physical stillness and silence, but it's the inner stillness of resting. Why is this stillness of heart so important? The word for know in Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God, translates into these words, means to recognize, to be acquainted with a familiar friend. Isn't that neat? So this verse is saying this. Let me expand it in the Marcane Amplified Version. I'm not suggesting it. I'm telling you, if you wish to know me, if you wish to recognize me as a friend, if you want to have that kind of relationship with me, which is my desire for you, you need to learn to be still with me and just let go of everyone 
of those things. The pride, the roles, the expectations. So you can come to recognize and be acquainted with a familiar friend. It's one of the great Hebrew words for relationship. Come to me, all you who are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you relationship. What kind of relationship, Lord? Where you come and you rest in me. You don't even have to talk. In fact, it's better if you don't. Every afternoon at 4 to 4.30, Shelly and I get together and we go over to the spa to be together and spend an hour together and listen to each other's days. And oftentimes she asks me, how was your quiet time? And I say, it was great. And she says, what did God say? And I say, nothing. You were with him all that time and he didn't say anything? I said, oh, he communicated, but he didn't say anything. I I really mean this. He communicated a lot, but he didn't say anything. Well, how can he communicate to you if he isn't saying anything? Well, I was with him. I sensed his presence and I knew his company and I received his love. He communicated love. And it changed me. It gave me more patience than I have otherwise. And it gave me more peace than I have otherwise. And it gave me the gentleness that I need to get through the day because I'm getting old and cranky. And I need gentleness. You know, if all he communicates to you is a gift of peace, don't knock it. (laughs) Man, the older I get, the more I crave his peace. I don't care if he doesn't talk to me, but be with me. And you know what he says? He says, I don't care if you don't talk to me. Just be with me. Please enjoy me. Because you're practicing for something that's going to last forever. You know what? There's no big wars to fight in heaven. We're not going to live by daytimers. Praise God. No daytimers. Just relationship with him and with everybody else. Man, that sounds good, doesn't it? Need to practice. Start now. Okay? So what I would like to do is have a little prayer time here for anybody that wants it. Because it sounds easy in the middle of this peaceful sermon that's been really nice and kind of restful for all of us and sweet. I can see it in your faces. I'm feeling it too. There's a real sense of his peace in the room right now. But when you get out there and it's time to start thinking about doing this, all those nasty religious assumptions about self-worth through production and busyness are going to come roaring back to you and lie. And you're going to feel like I'm wasting time. All the assumptions are going to come back. It's a war to be still. Do you understand? It's a war to be still. So if anybody needs help with that, why don't you come forward now and we're going to lay hands on you and pray for you for this, that it gets easier this week and that you can enter enter into this habit 
and begin following through with it as we sign up to be friends of God. So anybody want prayer? Come on forward now. And we're going to end this way. Good man. Me too. Bring it. Give me a truckload. Okay, and let's get some prayer people uh, up here to help lay on hands. Prayer teams come. Anybody else wants to jump in? Jump in now. If you're seeing people get prayed for and you're thinking, oh, I wish I'd gone up, just come up. <laughs> the uh, latter rain is better than the former rain. So you can sneak in at the last minute. No, I think we'll just go with silence is good. We don't even need music. Silence is good. Okay, guys, close your eyes and open your hands. And you, anyone wants to do this, you can do this anywhere in the room. Just... Close your eyes and open your hands. Okay? First of all, let's deal with that religious spirit, okay? Deep in each of us is a belief that unless I'm doing everything right, unless I'm busy for the Lord, I don't deserve to receive His love. You know it. You live under it. Let's together with one voice take authority over that lying religious spirit and let's speak to it right now. Join with me in this. Just mutter it seconds after I say it. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I recognize this attack against me. By a religious spirit trying to tell me that my worth is a result of what I do. And I feel a need to be busy all the time. And I know it isn't true. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I command this spirit to be silent. Leave my mind. Be gone from me in Jesus' name. And right now, I make a decision. I'm opening my hands. To receive the Spirit of Peace. To receive the Holy Spirit. To touch my heart with God's love. Not because I earn it, but because He's good. And He's my Father. And He's waiting for me. Jesus, help me to be still. Help me to find the time to be alone with my Father and your Father. And to let go of the expectations and the busyness and even the good things I have to do today. And just touch me with your peace. Help me to rest in your arms. Now receive it. Holy Spirit, touch them. Lord Jesus, touch them right now. Touch them with peace, Lord. Give them a foretaste right now of peace that is like a, a little, a little um, promise of how you're going to meet them tomorrow, how you're going to meet them tonight, how you want to come to them every single time they come to you, Lord. Just let your peace and rest fall on them. 
Receive it. Now, there's some of you women here, you're worried about your children. You live in a constant worry for your children. You worry about their safety. You worry about their godliness. You worry about how they're going to turn out. You're worrying about their health. Several of you are worrying about your children's health right now. Look, Jesus is more concerned for your children's health than you are. Hand them over to him right now. In your own mind's eye, just hand your children over to Him and say, I am not going to worry about this. Some of you guys, I sense it right now, you're worried about your business. You're worried about whether the money's going to come in and the contracts are going to be made. And I can even feel your worry right now. The Lord says, look, trust me with it. Set it aside and set it down. I just want to be with you. We'll We'll take care of that. He's saying to you, we'll take care of that. I'm on it. Lord's saying to you, I'm on it. I'm going to take care of that. But just trust me. Let it go right now. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let your approval, spirit of adoption, let your approval fall on your children. Holy Spirit, your job is to witness deep within us that we are God's well-loved children and that we have a right to come to him anytime, any place, and that you will set aside the job of running the universe just to be with us for a few minutes. You're that big. You're capable of it. Oh, God. Let your spirit of adoption fall on each one of us. We no longer see you as the one we work for. We see you as the one we work with and rest with and love with and converse with and play with. God's even with you when you play. God, thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Now, just a little reality check. How many of you feel a much greater peace right now than when you first came up here? Anybody receiving? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay, let's go out this week and carve out time to do nothing. Let's, no, I'm fight to do nothing with God. All right? It's not just vegging. It's with God you're going to do nothing. And experience how much He enjoys nothing. Okay? All right. We're dismissed. Next week, we're going to get very practical with a five-step how-to-pray-in-this-way model. It'll be good.